ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Forgiving our unconsciousness. In this episode, Eckhart talks briefly about what he calls the beingness behind our five senses, which is the deeper essence of who we are. Eckhart then answers a question about forgiveness. He says, until we're strongly connected to our deeper self, all of us will act out unconscious patterns that cause suffering. Eckhart explains these scenarios usually reflect our state of consciousness and are often the result of our past experiences. However, he does believe that we all eventually wake up and ask, how could I have done that? He says, recognizing our unconsciousness is in itself forgiveness. He urges listeners to understand that we didn't have the awareness to make a different choice at the time. And once we realize that, we can make amends to those we've hurt and learn to forgive our unconsciousness. Hello, everybody. Let's come into the present moment as fully as possible. Realize that right now, your sense perceptions are working, visual, auditory, maybe some others and realize the consciousness behind, so to speak, behind the sense perceptions, the awareness. Without the awareness, you would not see anything or hear anything. And so in addition to being aware of the sense perceptions, see if you can be aware also of yourself behind the sense perception, which is the awareness. There's a sense of presence, cannot define it. It's very simple. There's no past in it. It is there whether you are 20 years old or 80, doesn't matter. There's a sense of presence beingness, the essence of who you are, that gets mixed up with sense perceptions and memories of sense perceptions, experiences. The essential sense of beingness of who you are gets entangled with sense perceptions, which all your experiences that you accumulate. And usually your identity is derived from the that which 
has become entangled with the sense perceptions. The sense of awareness enables the sense perceptions to be, enables all your experiences to be experienced, but your identity when you're not awake is completely derived from the experiences sensory, which is your life story and all that, and the ways in which the mind interprets the experiences. So the accumulation and the memory of your experiences and the way in which the mind attaches stories to those memories of experiences that for most people constitutes their identity. And they feel it's a, that something very precious there, they don't want to lose it. You can sense there's something, you are there somewhere, but you think it's in, the, in that which gives life to the sense perceptions, but you don't realize that the essence of your identity is not the experiences and sense perceptions, etc., the thoughts, but the consciousness itself. So the most fundamental thing when you, as you awaken, the most fundamental shift, that's what it is, is the shift from, shift in identity, from being the accumulated experience, the life story, story of your life. People call it my life and your sense of self derived from it. That is the normal sense of identity. Unsatisfactory, often very frustrating and full of hopes and fears. Time becomes very important for that identity, that sense of self, who you are, determined by the past on that level. And then there's a future that might be able to, you think might free you from your insufficient and somehow unsatisfying sense of identity right now, because every egoic self suffers from a sense of insufficiency, a sense of lack, a sense of not being, there's something not right, there's something wrong, I don't know what it is, an underlying feeling of unease, anxiety, whatever it may be, there's a feeling that there's something not right or there's something missing, that's an essential part of every identity, every egoic identity, discontent with brief interludes of Oh, it's great. Life is great. Usually followed by a letdown, <laughs> a disappointment. You can experience this with people. Almost everybody lets you down eventually because you had unrealistic expectations of what a human, another human being could do for you. <laughs> Every situation lets you down because you had unrealistic expectations of the capacity of any external situation to provide you with a satisfying, lasting sense of self. And then the search continues. 
So, and you're not, you're not quite, you, there's always the sense you haven't arrived yet. <laughs> you're on your way, but you haven't arrived yet. And in some sense, of course, it's true because there's still some future probably. And there are many things you could still do. But that sense of having not having arrived, you have two basic emotions or mind patterns, mental emotional patterns that look towards the future for liberation from the unsatisfying sense of self. So you look to the future, it sometimes might be called hope. Hope is usually regarded as a good, good thing. I suppose it is better than despair. But hope is always, you're not rooted in the present, but you hope that one day you will be okay, fulfilled, complete, a more complete version of yourself. And on some level, this is actually true. On the level of form, there are things you can still learn that you didn't know, you don't know yet. You can learn many things, acquire and achieve things. All this is fine, except it is not fine when you look to those things for an ultimate sense of self or identity. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. You may become very good at something, but even there, that's fine. It, it On its own level, it, this is a necessary part of being a human here. But there's another level at which this does not work, and that the level of knowing yourself truly and fully, being rooted at a deep place that is not subject to time, a place from where ultimate satisfaction and peace emanates. And you cannot find that on the level of the person, any experience. So it's good to experience things it includes relationships, etc., etc. It's good to experience things, but what is uh, the source of suffering is to have unrealistic expectations so that the experience should provide lasting fulfillment and a lasting sense of self. 
For that, you have to go beyond experience and find the experiencer. And the experiencer is consciousness, to give it a word. One could say it's better not to name it. That may be true. And there are many other names we could give it. Now the question is, at this very moment, there's a certain amount of experiencing happening in your consciousness. The actual experience of this, our session here, and perhaps some thoughts come and go about what you're going to have for dinner tonight, or what you will have to deal with tomorrow, or something that happened yesterday or whatever it may be, the, the complex problems of your life, perhaps they're so complex that they don't even allow you to be fully present with this session. And your mind is saying, yes, but I have bigger problems than this. I really should be concerned with that. I should solve those first. Then I can be uh, engaged in spiritual awakening, but I have to solve my problems first. There's so many. <laughs> Of course, that's not how it works. So you, you allow this experience to be there and you become aware of that space that underlies all experience. And that is presence. Stillness is sometimes call it stillness. Now, what is stillness? A cessation of the stream of thinking. Stillness is not, does not depend on external noise or absence of noise. Stillness also doesn't depend on whether you are moving or you're sitting still. As you know, the word stillness in English could refer to absence of sound, or it could refer to absence of movement. So when there's absence of sound, it's very still. Or when you're not moving, you, you, or you can say to a child, sit still. <laughs> it means don't, don't move, don't fidget so much. Sit, sitting still, absence of movement or absence of sound. But when we use the word stillness, it refers to something else that can be there even when there is external sound and even when there is movement. It's an inner dimension of consciousness, the stillness, in the gap between two thoughts, for example, now, that was it. <laughs> now, there's nothing memorable there. You can't remember it. It's not an experience as such, because it's a background to all experience. So you become aware of the background to all experience, which is yourself, the consciousness. <laughs> That's a liberation, and that is a shift in identity from being identified with the foreground, which is sensory experience, thoughts, and emotions, the foreground of your life. For most people, it's not the foreground, it's all they know. So there's sensory experience, thoughts, emotions, that's the foreground. The background is the space. Now, there are many words we can use to point to it. It doesn't matter what we use, whether we call it stillness, we call it space, call it 
awareness, consciousness. And again, awareness again is used a lot these days. You, you say you read about awareness, growing awareness, making people aware of this and aware of that and aware of that. But this awareness is not the awareness of something, it's the awareness of awareness, self-awareness. <laughs> A silent but alive sense of spaciousness. For example, now. And now. <laughs> Discover that it's not that difficult to be aware of awareness. And then you go about your life, which is the foreground, without losing the, again, another image we use is without losing the vertical dimension, you cope, you're able to handle the horizontal dimension of your life. Whatever you have to do here in this world while you're here as a physical body, but you don't lose touch with the, the vertical dimension, which is the timeless dimension. Then that's being rooted in the unconditioned consciousness. And that is not yours. And it doesn't really have a location. It does not have a geographical location. Although I sometimes use the term your consciousness, it's not really yours. Because even at the moment I say your consciousness, language has created already a duality, you and your consciousness. <laughs> but there isn't you and your consciousness. You are consciousness. You don't have it. <laughs> and it's not something that happens to you. But when we use language, inevitably duality arises and you have to look beyond that otherwise you start questioning and say okay my consciousness who am i without the consciousness nothing <laughs> you are consciousness you don't have it now what happens when you approach the end of this incarnation and you can't remember things very clearly anymore in some cases you might even lose your memory and for a little while that can be good for example people suffer from conditions like alzheimer's and seems the personality seems to dissolve they don't remember who they are anymore they don't recognize anybody anymore and there's a temporary sometimes a temporary uh, length of time period when this process happens and i've known one or two cases somebody used to be very unhappy all their life and then she began to develop memory loss for a certain time period she became suddenly very happy because she couldn't remember her problematic self anymore but then she lost that also so what happened there is that is, is that evidence that the brain produces consciousness there's a relationship. Now, most people still, and this is why there's such fear of death, because we've conditioned, been conditioned by our culture to believe that all there is is matter. 
our entire reality is based on matter that goes down to the atoms and, and even subatomic particles, that, but still, so those would be the building blocks of matter. The, so there's a general belief that the universe is physical, it's material, and there's a widespread, there, of course, yes, there are religious people who still believe that there's, a, there's something that survives, but many people don't have that belief anymore because they have another belief. And that other belief is another form of religion. It's that there's only this, there's only that. And when this physical form, I, I disappear completely. I, but what I are you talking about? What is the I that disappears completely? Consciousness is by many people regarded as a an inexplicable byproduct of brain activity. They don't know what it is. Scientists have no idea what consciousness is. And they believe it's a, a well, the, the term is an epiphenomenon, which means a byproduct <laughs> of mind activity. This is a physical organ that somehow produces something that we don't understand and we call it consciousness. Is that the truth? No, but more, some scientists are beginning to suspect that that is not the truth. There is a relationship between the brain and consciousness, but it's not that the brain produces consciousness, but the brain is a channel through which consciousness filters into this dimension, enters this dimension. When somebody loses their memory completely, as in the case of Alzheimer, consciousness is beginning to withdraw, it can no longer express itself clearly through the medium of the brain. In the same way that when your phone, your cell phone is defective, you can no longer, or your computer, you can no longer download all the information that's in the cloud, <laughs> as they call it, the cloud. So then the, suddenly the information is defective. It doesn't work anymore. Bits and pieces still appear, but it's not, you can't download it anymore. It doesn't mean that the, the consciousness was never, that the cloud is not in the computer. It was always a download, that's all. And so then the instrument becomes defective and then the instrument dies. Consciousness withdraws. When people use their memory through Alzheimer, con the consciousness that they are withdraws more gradually. They die before the physical death happens. The, the consciousness already cannot use the brain as a channel anymore. So the, the, the fundamental spiritual practice is your attention, return your attention as much as possible to awareness in during the day many times simple things great spiritual practice i recommend today windows windows you always have a window somewhere so there's a window take a few step backs from the window so you use the totality of the window and then you look through the window it has a frame and you contemplate what's there. Very attentive, alert, you observe what's there without labeling it mentally in any way. 
And as you do that, if a label unconsciously arises, just let it go, it's unimportant. So you're, you're practicing perception and experience without naming it. Amazing spiritual practice, the ultimate spiritual practice. You experience it through sensory perception, but you don't name it. And yet you know what it is, but not conceptually. On the other hand, also, you also know that there's a deep mystery of what you're looking at. And you know every conceptual knowledge is a, ultimately fairly meaningless, although you need it in this world. But when you call a tree a tree, you still don't really know what it is. You just attached a label to it. And the label prevents you from looking more deeply and sensing the tree more deeply. So whenever there's a, any window you have, look out of the window for a minute or so and simply contemplate alertly what, what it is that you see, but without calling it anything. And then at the same time, and so that's not all, at the same time, as you perceive, be aware of yourself as the perceiver. Not the person, the historical person, no, the consciousness that is perceiving. When you don't label and name things, then you're not a person anymore. You're the consciousness. Basically, you have died already. This is the good death, the death of the person. And you can have this death many times in one day. When the stream of thinking stops and awareness remains, you have died as a person. And what arises where the person was is awareness or consciousness. And then the person suddenly whoop, reincarnates again and is back a minute later. <laughs> And then perhaps you die again a, a little bit later. There's another a minute during which the person recedes and awareness arises. Oh, another death. And then you realize the essence of who you are is not, is not anything that you can see with your senses. You start with your senses and then you sense something deeper that is not sensory perception. You feel it, you sense it you are invisible, you are an invisible presence. When you die, what remains is just the physical form and you are gone and then the form dissolves. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Okay, before we go to the questions, I'll just ask you, sense this invisible, this invisible you, 
that is not the body and is not psychological memory or anything like that, that is not a product of brain activity. And there are many accounts of survival of consciousness beyond the physical death. But I'm not too concerned with that because I'm more concerned with realizing the consciousness here and now. And when you realize that, then the fear of physical death diminishes and disappears. Perhaps we'll come back to some things I've just said during the answers, because in essence, <laughs> one could almost say that there's only one answer to every question. In essence, the essence of every answer is there. So let's just see. And, and sometimes when you realize the essence, the question disappears. In case the question hasn't disappeared, let's see what our first question is. And thank you, Hekat. I do have a question. I have observed that forgiveness is the only way out of the past, out of its repetition and out of karma. But I can also see something in me, uh, that something in me believes or fears that forgiveness means uh, forgetting or negligence and would not allow me to prevent the, the repetition of the past. I know this isn't true. What I usually observe is that the more I hang on to the past, the more it repeats itself and the more the mistakes come back. But there is something in me that feels trapped in a loop and uh, does not surrender, does not forgive my own mistakes, my own relationships, my own unconscious decisions. I guess this part of me somehow feels too responsible for bringing um, awareness to the world and to my relationships, which closes the door to spontaneity, to genuine enthusiasm and to new experiences, new learnings, new mistakes. This uh, seriousness gets in the way of uh, natural awakening. And I guess all of this is connected to the difficulty I sometimes experience to forgive myself about the past. So... In a sum up, would you reflect on that subject, uh, forgiveness from uh, an open heart? Thank you, thank you. Very good question. So one could say that basically there's the, many humans carry the, the burden of the past in their psyche. They carry the past as a burden and uh, forgiveness of course, can refer to forgiving yourself. We'll probably talk mainly about that because that your question was mainly about that. In other cases, forgiveness, of course, it can also refer to other, other people in your life. What other people have done or done to you, that's, that's another area of forgiveness. And then you have the area that you mentioned where you look back on your past and you realize certain things you did, you regret now, you see they were perhaps not conscious, perhaps you acted out of egoic desires or Im emotional impulses or whatever it may be. The question here, as, as you may remember, just before you started asking the question, I said, what I talked about in the first part of our session may come back 
as part of the answer to some of the questions or all of the questions. The most important thing is those things from the past, when you look at those things, the consciousness is looking at things that perhaps you did in the past is not the same consciousness that produced those things in the past. You were not at the time you did what you did because it was a reflection of your state of consciousness at that time. So humans do even, uh, even a, a single human being can even with, within the space of a day can experience very different levels of consciousness until awareness comes in very strongly there isn't really one human being you are many until there is something that comes in that transcends those many personalities patterns in you unconscious mental emotional patterns often looks like i'm not talking about schizophrenia is when it becomes very pronounced but every normal human being is many human beings at different times sometimes they may do something very destructive and unkind either to themselves or others and create a lot of suffering in a moment of deep unconsciousness and a few hours later they wake up and say how could i have done that in some cases it's not a few hours later in some cases a few years later more consciousness has arisen and they say how could i have done that so every human being manifests different levels of consciousness and some human beings of course are relatively unconscious so a lot of what they do is ego motivated reactive the is the outcome is the result of the way in which they have been conditioned in their childhood and the conditioning the way in which they have been conditioned to act and react and think and emotions and throughout childhood that controls their the rest of their life and there's no awareness in some in many people that awareness almost never comes in some it comes briefly and periodically the question is where do you derive your sense of self from who am i is the question do you derive your sense of self from those things that happened in the past that you did in the past or you in some cases perhaps you failed to do but should have done or you did do them but you should not have done them because they were perhaps they caused suffering for others or for yourself those things you now recognize those things as the result of unconsciousness in you because unconsciousness does creates a lot of suffering for yourself and others it's the, the human ego the way in which the ego has been conditioned creates the suffering in the moment of creating the suffering it doesn't know that that's what it's the, the human being is doing in that moment there's no choice there's not enough consciousness to have a choice sometimes then the more consciousness arises after an event either an hour later or 20 years later then with that consciousness if that situation were to arise again then you would have a choice and you would not act in that way so if if you have a 
if, if, if there's more consciousness in you now than there was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, then th you would have acted differently at those times. But who was it that acted in those ways in the past? Is that your, your identity? Is that who you are? Or was that a pattern in you, a mental emotional pattern, reactive pattern, pattern of behavior that acted through you? And is it wise to derive your sense of identity from unconscious patterns that manifested through you in the past. <laughs> now, when you do that, it leads to a lot of suffering because then you say, I did that, that was me. And then you carry that as a burden for the rest of your life, perhaps. And in some cases, some humans perpetrated one very bad thing. Maybe they killed somebody in an extreme case. And of course, that is quite a, a burden to carry when you wake up out of that unconsciousness that did that. It's, it's a burden to carry that. But even there, as more consciousness arises in you, then you can look back and realize that was unconsciousness operating through you. And you did not, at the time, have a choice. You might, the mind may tell yourself, yes, I did have a choice. No, you didn't have a choice. No human being can act beyond their level of consciousness in, at any given moment. At any given moment, you, you, cannot, you cannot act that is beyond the level of consciousness that operates in you at that moment. <laughs> so in some cases, it, it has very, very dramatic and serious consequences when a human does one thing in the past. Sometimes very young people do it. They might get drunk and then get in the car. They're 18 years old. They drink, they get in the car, kill somebody. And, and then depending on what country you live in, you might spend 20, 30 years in prison for a, a moment of unconsciousness. So the, on, on the external level, it can have very serious consequences. But the most important thing, no matter what it is, even in the case of some, you've done something very bad, the most important thing is not to derive your sense of identity from past unconsciousness, but recognize unconsciousness for what it was. But in order to do this, you need to go deeper within yourself and access the power of presence in you now, here and now. The power of presence is what we talked about the, the first part of our session. You access the power of presence in your consciousness. And you can then experience a shift in identity from who you are is that conscious presence. The rest is ways in which you've been conditioned to act. Unconsciousness, we call that. Unconsciousness means lack of awareness. Something operates in you that is the product of conditioning from the past. 
So you recognize something that happened in the past that forced you almost to act in certain ways and you recognize it as unconsciousness. And to recognize that as unconsciousness is forgiveness. Forgiveness is no longer seeking an identity in the past, and especially in things that are very unpleasant. And there are many unpleasant things in virtually everybody's past. There are many unpleasant things. There are things that you did, and there are things that were done to you. In either case, to recognize that what happened in the past is the result of human unconsciousness. You don't personalize it anymore. So not to personalize unconsciousness for yourself and others is forgiveness. Don't make an identity out of manifestations of unconsciousness. Don't make an identity out of that, not for yourself and not for others. So another human being did something, let's say parents, even parents, some, sometimes as you grow up, you realize your parents perhaps did, or one of your parents did very wrong things. You say, well, if I had had more conscious parents, my life would have been easier, for example. You'd say, why did they do this to me? So they did, they did this to you because they were unconscious, spiritually speaking. They acted out their conditioning <laughs> and their parents acted out their conditioning. And sometimes the conditioning goes from generation to generation. In, in some families, you could go back several hundred years and find the same patterns of dysfunctional behavior perpetuating themselves from generation to generation. <laughs> Until finally, one human being comes and transcends that and awakens out of that, is no longer forced to act out the patterns from the past. And then this human being, which is you, can look back and, and recognize the past for what it is, manifestations of human unconsciousness, manifestations of the, the present level of human unconsciousness. And you can look at the whole world collectively look back at the 20th century and the, especially the first half of the 20th century, the dreadful things that human beings did to each other. Millions killed. You can't even count it. Hundreds of millions, one country against another and within countries. How can, how is that possible? Well, this is it a manifestation of the evolution of human consciousness and it's a slow evolution, and it shows where humans are at collectively. And the 20th century, the first half especially, where there were many regressive periods from, as I said before, you have in, 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 in one individual human being, you can have different levels of consciousness at different times. In the collective also, you can have different consciousness at different times and collectively this is just a, a side humans um, societies countries any collective sometimes experiences a regressive movement in consciousness when they become 
they, they, they had, had reached a certain level of consciousness and then they sink back into a lower level. This is how some countries can perpetuate terrible suffering and do dreadful things to each other as if they were in the grip of collective psychosis that happens with totalitarian regimes when they take over a country, for example, as happened in Germany, in Russia, in China during certain periods in the 20th century. Millions got killed. It's the country descending into deeper unconsciousness and sometimes countries that were already relatively conscious, relatively, <laughs> came, sank back into deep unconsciousness like a, like a mental illness, psychosis. And we are not free of that. It could happen again. I see signs here and there in the collective that it could be happening again. But that does not mean you have to be part of that. But I'm mentioning this. There's a lot to forgive in this. You have to forgive whole of humanity when you look back on humanity, if you don't want to hate humanity and say, I don't want to be human, I, I can see what humans have done. They're all crazy. I'd rather not be human. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to forgive the whole of humanity. They've also done good things. There, have been, there are moments, there is an evolution of consciousness, undoubtedly. And there are aggressive, regressive periods too. So you forgive not only yourself, you forgive your parents, you forgive your ex-spouse, you forgive your whatever your siblings may have done, you forgive your neighbor, you forgive the totality of humanity for its craziness. <laughs> because you recognize we are all part of the evolution of, of consciousness here on this planet. And you are part of that. And you are now you are evolving from your level of consciousness now you look back and you see what you did, but was that you ultimately? No, it was the conditioned entity that was produced by your past that did that. And instead of deriving your sense of who you are from the movement of unconsciousness, you derive your sense of who you are from the presence that you are now. That is a liberation. And that's true. Forgiveness is realizing that ultimately there's nothing to forgive. There's only human unconsciousness and there's a gradual awakening in humanity. And on that path to awakening, there are many times when humans regress temporarily and then they come out of it again. And there's a gradual, a gradual awakening of consciousness. There was a line in the New Testament by St. Paul who wrote that uh, all of creation up to the present time is, uh, what, what word did he use? Is groaning in pain as if in childbirth. It's like the, the pains of childbirth. He says, not only humans, but all creation is undergoing the pains of childbirth. It's a very deep statement because it is a, what is birthing is a, a consciousness. And it's a painful process at first. To become more conscious is painful. To be less conscious like a tree or an animal as conscious, but life is less problematic for a dog than it is for a human. That's why a dog is more joyful than most humans. 
so consciousness at first is almost a burden and then as you rise beyond it frees you but it's a burden when you are in an intermediate stage as you were until now where you become aware of the unconsciousness but you cannot free yourself from it because you think that's just, uh, that's me <laughs> and then presence frees you from the past because that's what it is it doesn't mean you don't remember the past but you recognize it for what it is you can remember it but you know now what it is manifestation of human unconsciousness don't look for yourself in it you are not that you are the presence and then as you go through life increasingly be more rooted in the presence then the the possibility or the likelihood that you will do more unconscious things that create suffering for yourself and others diminishes and then disappears when you are conscious you do not create additional suffering for yourself or others the world changes in that way when humans no longer create suffering out of unconsciousness and you are at that stage where the shift can happen you recognize the past and you look at it like a like a child that breaks something breaks a valuable object because it doesn't know any better so you will look upon this child with compassion and you could look back on your past also with compassion you have to go through the evolution of consciousness and on that path suffering happens things are done to you that make you suffer you do things to others that make them suffer and then you begin to transcend that and then you realize the past is nothing to do with who you are and that's the transcendence and that's where you are at now the possibility arises presence frees you from the past thank you thank, thank you. you thank you i'm oprah winfrey and you've been listening to eckart tolle essential teachings the podcast you can follow these essential teachings on spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts if you haven't yet go to spotify and follow this podcast join us next week for more enlightened teachings from eckart tolle thank you for listening Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.